Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid back way. So sit back, relax, unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. Hello guys and welcome to Stories the True and the Fictional. We have a wonderful returning guest, but before we bring him in, we just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Rebecca Castles and the Rising Dawn series. Check it out on uh, Amazon, Kindle, paperback, all that stuff. It is a great series. Uh, Rebecca is a uh, good friend of ours and we are grateful for her to be sponsoring us. But today, of course, Chad Miller, welcome back, my friend. Thanks. Good to be back. Now, I will say before we crack into it, I was, you know, when preparing for you to come back on and I accidentally typed in chadmiller.com and it turns out there is a chadmiller.com and he's very good at doing real estate in Florida. So I just want to make sure that's not you. You haven't got a double life going on or anything. Mm -hmm. No, like when I type in Google, he's the only he comes up first. So I, ah, I gotta beat that Chad Miller. Well, I was gonna say, what's the plan? Now that we've realized that someone's coming up first, what's the plan to get rid of them permanently? Um, maybe buy up all the real estate. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> buy them out. It's a double win. I can't, I can't even afford to buy myself some real estate, let alone every, every, all of the real estate in Florida. I had to sell a lot of books then. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we could organize a whole lot of, um, you know, seeing Chad Miller's a popular name, we'll just get all the Chad Millers to go see Chad Miller. We'll have a Chad Miller convention at, at uh, Florida. We, I don't know about Florida. Uh, some of, uh, maybe like uh, Fiji, like an island. Fiji? Nice. All right. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Cool. It, can be, it can be the well, multiverse. The like, we're island people. There you go, the multiverses well, of Miller. And then we, we can name it Miller Island because that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> or we could um, take over the country chat. There's a country chat. Um, oh. <laughs> it's war-torn, but... <laughs> Whatever gets me the least jail time, I'm happy to do. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, because you're a returning guest, we have some wonderful new icebreakers we've come up with. Um, right. Yeah, you actually made us do work. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um ryan do you want to start or do you want me to start yeah sure look I, as okay yeah well this one's this one's a, a nice easy one uh when you were a little kid before you dreamed of becoming an author what did you want to be when you grow up when you grew up well i grew up in uh, philadelphia and every kid in philadelphia played basketball so i wanted to be a nba basketball player on the uh, philadelphia 76ers Mm -hmm. um saying that um a prerequisite of being a good basketball player uh you have to be able to run and jump and those two things i can't do so uh i was uh, kind of uh uh was defeated before i even got off my career so oh well i think you're old enough to you're old enough to i'm assuming to remember a player from the utah jazz john stockton he was of course yeah he was tiny. I mean, compared to someone like Carl Malone in the Utah Jazz, he was tiny and he still achieved a lot. I don't remember him he running. Was small, but, but he could run and he could jump. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I remember like what, 
one time I was going to my basketball practice and I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, do you think I'm good enough to be uh, an NBA player? And he's like, no. <laughs> well, he's honest. Shot me down right away. My dreams are quashed from the from the beginning. So, they well, at least he is honest because you see all these people going on like these singing competitions that like they always say, "Oh, my mum and dad, they said I was amazing, and they said that I could do this." And then they walk out and they can't carry a note, can't hit a tune, and I feel so bad for them because their parents shouldn't be encouraging them if they've got no talent. So maybe your dad was yeah. honest. Yeah, he was honest. And um, that's uh, when I give him my writing, uh, I get nervous because he'll be honest with me. If, my, if, if I write something that's terrible, he'll, he'll tell me. Uh, so he's a pretty good judge. Yeah. Well, speaking of judges, um, animal sidekick. If you, if you could have an animal sidekick that could talk, uh, what would you pick? That could talk. Um, I would have to go elf, elephant. And uh, the, the, the caveat to that, the elephant has to be stoned. <laughs> I can actually picture that. <laughs> How cool would that be? I mean, who, who doesn't want a stone elephant to be with them? I mean, oh. uh, you, you, you have to feed them though. That that would be the hard part is feeding them. Well, it's a lot of Doritos. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, it doesn't have to be a pet. It can just be an elephant that rocks up from time to time. You know. Well, it could be Baba. It could be Baba, the king of the. The cartoon Babar, yeah, Babar, <laughs> yeah. But was Babar stone though? I mean, I don't know if he got high. Um, <laughs> look, I think he did. Also, if you've seen some of the lady elephants he had around, I'm pretty sure he did. He did just yeah, off, right. screen, well, off camera. Maybe we'll name him Babar. Um, I mean, even if it was like Snuffleupagus, I'd be good with that too. Oh, Snuffleupagus, he always <laughs> looked high. Always. Oh, he's totally high. The droopy <laughs> eyelids. <laughs> Well, you know he hit the bung. You know he did. I mean, that nose could just get a contact high from someone around the corner, you know? So True. <laughs> uh... You'll never look at Sesame Street again like the same way after, <laughs> after listening to this episode. So... Oh, then I did my job well. Yes, you definitely <laughs> did. You definitely did. Okay. This next one, I like it. I like the way you've worded this, Jamie. It covers everyone. So, uh, Chad, your king, queen, supreme leader, or president for a day, what do you do? What do I do? Uh, first thing I do is I bring back row because uh, that was some bullshit. So I'll bring that back. Um, what else? Uh, in my previous uh, couple questions of on last episode, uh, one of my biggest hates was racism. Um, yeah. Even though uh, you can't take racism away because people are always going to be assholes. Uh, you can uh, quell uh, institutional racism. So I would try my best to uh, limit that as best you, as mm -hmm. I could. Uh, what else? Um, Taco Tuesdays is always good. We could do that. Yeah. And uh, I bring back the capital from uh, D.C. I mean, I love D.C. Nothing wrong with D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, love it there. Great uh, city. Uh, but I bring back to Philadelphia because it was the first capital. There was nothing wrong with it. Bring it back. Yeah. I like how you didn't do the, the traditional one, whereas I know I know one of our friends, Chris, if we asked him this question, he would say simply, I'd make myself president king for the rest of my life. And, you know, you <laughs> That's have, a lot of pressure, oh, you, though. I don't know. You, you took I'm good with terms. A, you took more of an approach where, you know what, I'm going to get rid of as many problems as I can in a day, and I like that. No, but um, with our friend Chris, like he, he has been quoted saying that he loves – 
George Washington because he was the one that the only one to relinquish, you know, <laughs> willingly relinquish power. Right, right. Yeah. It was the first time pretty much. I mean, that was yeah. that was huge because, you yeah. know, Look at look at today. Uh, our, our last one didn't want to relinquish really power, so yeah. you know, take a yeah. lesson from Washington. Yeah. <laughs> well, just right quick, who is your favorite president? Just just curious. Ever? Uh, I mean, it's cliche, but Lincoln was pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, not only did he, you know, that he got rid of slavery. Um, I mean, especially look at nowadays. Nowadays, mm-hmm. you choose uh, your cabinet is you know, you choose all yes men. Yeah. Uh, his cabinet was filled of uh, his biggest rival was uh, in this cabinet. So he wanted a differing opinion in, in the room. Uh, so to get to gather that different point of view, um, yeah. and that's gone nowadays. I mean, you don't yeah. even make girls across the aisle anymore. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that was a pretty good, and he's a great storyteller. So uh, I do like Lincoln, um, maybe Martin Van Buren because he had cool sideburns, but I don't know yeah. much about him. Yeah. But um, no, but, Abraham used to kill vampires, right? Didn't he? I was about <laughs> to say that. You stole my line. It sounded like a terrible movie, and it wasn't a great movie. I'm not going to say it was great. Look, it wasn't terrible. But it wasn't... I thought it was going to be horrible, and it wasn't. Yeah, well, it was fun. It was fun. You know, like you're never supposed to take it seriously. But um, no, um, it's on my list. I still haven't seen it yet. I, you know, well, I've seen the other one, Bright, uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. That's that's pretty funny. Like my my I family. My family love Pride and Prejudice, and every time they bring it up, and I go, and zombies, <laughs> yeah, and, and they go, no, no, I go, but it's got Matt Smith, Matt Smith in it. And they go, <laughs> um, it's not bad. What? So, Chad, what story would you like to see ad- adapted into a film? Um, and if you want some bonus points, which because we all know the points matter in this game, uh, you can pick a director and leading actor or actress. Okay. Um... I would love to say Counting Monte Cristo, uh, but I, that's been done before, even though the one I saw I didn't like that much. But I'm going to go a different route. Um, I love Kurt Vonnegut. He's one of my favorite authors. And I don't know if there, anyone's ever done any of these books. Maybe Slaughterhouse-Five. Uh, but right now I'm reading one of his books, uh, uh, Dead Eye Dick. Um, and I would like to see that in the film. And I'll, the reason being is, is the director. Uh, I think one director could only accomplish it. And that's Terry Gilliam. The guy did... Um, what did he do? He did the 12 Monkeys and he did oh, yeah. um, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So I think he could pull it off. Cool. And so the lead character, he's this apathetic, um, uh, he's a pharmacist, he's a writer, just like me. Um, but he also, uh, he's called Dead Eye Dick because one day he went up into his father's study, um, grabbed the gun and just shot it into the air and it accidentally killed someone. Oh, wow. So he's yeah. this apathetic, it's almost like um, French existentialism. Um, so he, the character reminds me like someone out of Camus, The Stranger. Uh, so I think Robert Pattinson would, would play pretty good. Um, okay. I don't know if you ever saw The Lighthouse, but he was pr- pretty surprisingly awesome in that movie. So I think he would play a like, brooding, apathetic type character. Um, his uh, father is this bloated, artistic guy who's washed up. So I think um, Val Kilmer would, would, would be good for that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his mom, uh, I would just say Kathy Bates because Kathy Bates needs to be in every movie. She's awesome. And his brother is this uh, tall, lanky, white guy with a deep baritone voice. Uh, so the only one, per- he's not an actor, but the only person that comes to mind is Rick Astley. So put him in there. <laughs> cool. Cool. I dig it. All right. 
So Elon Musk has perfected his electric time machine and has put you in charge in organizing a dinner party of historical figures. Who's on the guest list? And you've got bonus points if you have a bit of a description about what your party's going to be, what's on the menu, if there's any entertainment, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, who will be there? Uh, David Bowie, uh, because David Bowie's badass. He has to mm. be there. Um, my, one of my favorite authors, uh, i got to put it, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I would put um, Vincent Van Gogh, because he's a great artist and wow. interesting. I would like to talk to him. And uh, lastly, Caligula. I got to put a tyrant in there. <laughs> Excellent. Random. That'd be a very interesting party. <laughs> I think so. It'd be, uh, you know, you know, the conversation would be dark. Um, you need to lighten <laughs> it up a little bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know that you, you might bring out the optimist, optimism in them or, you know. If, I, if I'm the optimistic, oh, God, we're in trouble. <laughs> it, it'd be very dark and very loud because if Van Gogh's only got one E, so... You know, you need to make sure you speak up so that he could hear it. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah what would it be on the menu? I don't know. Uh, I would uh, start off with uh, borscht. Um, I heard Caligula likes borscht. Um, and it's uh, in honor of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. Um, lamb chops for our main meal. Um, and maybe a cheesecake for dessert. I don't know. Who doesn't like cheesecake? Me. <laughs> You don't like cheesecake? No, it's not, uh, it's, it's not the fact that I, I don't like it. It's the fact that it doesn't agree with me. Okay. It's one of those things. So, yeah, so I don't drink uh, uh, coffee, uh, milk in my coffee just because of milk during the stomach. So yeah. I get it. Cool. Well, thanks for answering those, Chad. And for being our test subject on the news. Yes. Yes, Bye. you're the very first one. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. I hope I did well. We'll find out when we get all our comments and, and, and um, likes. Um, so you've got a book just about to come out or maybe it's out when this airs, uh, The Prisoner of Fear. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. So tell us, what's, what's sure. the premise? What's the plot? What's it about? Uh, what's the premise? I mean, it's basically about uh, fear, um, conquering our fear, recognizing your fear and confronting it. Um, so the main character, his biggest fear is death. He um, keeps him up at night. Um, and the way he tries to deal with it is his profession. So he, he um, uh, tries to solve mysteries that fall through the cracks of the police, more like uh, obscure mysteries, things that, um, that he could prove, like the devil is real or God is real or that ghosts exist. So if those things exist, that means that there is an afterlife and that his biggest fear is, is not. Um, but basically, it's, it's based out of the 20th century, so it's um, like old Victorian, and um, it's kind of a mix between Dracula and Sherlock Holmes. So you have the duo of like Holmes-type character and um, uh, Watson, even though they're very different, and they are kind of thrown into this mystical universe, um, but it's grounded in reality. So you have to discover if it's a true monster or if it's, you know, if, if his biggest fear is a reality. Or if it falls, so that's kind of. When's the, net, when's the Netflix series coming out? Because it sounds, <laughs> sounds like it, it could I, be, you know. <laughs> I hope soon. That'll be that'll be amazing. Um, twenty twenty three. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um. So yeah. So what what inspired you to write it? What inspired me to write it is it, it began from a short story I wrote called called Mother Hen, 
Mm-hmm. And the premise of that short story uh, was there's so many monster stories. Um, you know, there's The Exorcist, uh, where the little girl is possessed and she's the focal point. She's the uh, the the evil uh, one or the evil within her. Um, but I took it from a different approach, um, whereas the caretaker of that person. So there is a girl in, in mind. Um, that's the focal point of this first book. And... Um, you don't view her as the evil one. It's the mom taking care of her because she's forced to make some immoral choices to care for that person. Um, so the mother of the afflicted is uh, more the villain than the monster itself. So that's where it kind of stemmed from. And then, you know, the story grew from there. Cool. Um, yeah. So what, you know, why don't you go through the explaining the writing process of this? Like where, where how do you get your headspace into writing something of this genre and, and and do you have to do you have a process do you have a uh you know a ritual that you need to go into to get into these dark places before you can put it to paper not necessarily a ritual to get in the dark places i usually um write at night um and that's basically out of need um uh, you know I'm a, i work full-time i'm a, a single dad uh so you know i i write when everyone's asleep so it, it works real well with horror um, so that kind of gets me in the, you know, it's dark, it's quiet, so it's kind of spooky uh, sometimes. So it kind of gets me into that mood. Uh, but my actual nuts and bolts writing process is um, it's hard getting the first word on the page. So I just get it out, even though it's probably shit the first time you put it on there, just get it on the page. And then um, before I start my next uh, session, so I might write five to 600 words at a time. Next time I write my next section, I edit it for grammar and all that stuff. And then I really reread what I wrote before. And um, then I kind of iron out the kinks. Okay. So it's basically, at least you've got something there because as long as something is on the page, you can always, you know, work on that or you can always edit that and go, you know what, that this part of it's a good idea and then sort of just mold it all together. Is that what you're saying? Right, it's kind of like molding. Like it's kind of like uh, putting clay on the potter's wheel. Yeah. You don't put the clay on the potter's wheel. There's nothing to work with. But once you get it on there, then you can kind of shift it and mold it the way you want it. No, that makes perfect sense. Excellent, excellent. And what about when you go when um, you're creating your characters? Um, do you develop them as you go, or will you just go, okay, this is the character, and base the story around that? Um. I, I had my major plot points. So when I first started it, I had, I knew the beginning and I knew where I wanted it ended. And I knew like some major plot twists and, and things like that. But everything in the middle, um, no, I leave it open. That's why I, I don't work well with outlines. I don't like to box myself in. So I, I'll create that character and they're, they're living, breathing things. Uh, so it, when I sit down and write, sometimes I don't know where I'm going to go and let the character lead me rather than me lead the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more in the, fun parts of writing for me um is the unexpected and uh yeah a lot of times to see where sometimes i'm not i mean i might have the wheel but the wheel yeah. turns in different directions where i don't expect yeah. it's like it's like that uh, michael scott from um the office where he says sometimes i start a sentence and i don't know where it's going <laughs> all, <laughs> you know? all the time like 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 right now yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so on on your characters, like, is there a favorite one 
in in this book that you loved or that you were surprised by you know which you know you created and then went whoa i really like this character yeah for me the, the two main characters were the hardest to write um just because i didn't want to fit them into tropes or be like cliches because they're gonna think like they're two mystery solvers i don't i mean i love sherlock holmes i love watson but i don't want to rewrite something that's already written it's hard to try to stay away from that um but uh one of my favorite characters is uh the mother of the afflicted even though she's very she's a minor role in this she had a major role in that story that i wrote but in the book she's a minor role but she was very fun to write um because she went from protector of the mother or of, the, of, the, of the afflicted to maybe slowly going insane and it, it was fun to write um it's a fun uh, character but i really liked um one of the side characters the niece of the um of the main characters um and she is uh enthralled of what the two main characters do you know solving mysteries and she tries to butt herself into their business um and she begins to take a major role in the mystery solving because she's so smart and so innovative and uh sees things from another perspective so they kind of slowly bring her into the fold reluctantly uh, because yeah. of her age and, and she uh also breaks gender gaps because back in that time women didn't really have that much power um but she really takes on a powerful role in, in the book and kind of breaks those barriers so i i did i didn't enjoy writing her cool well in, in staying with the characters and 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 this is a good good way to lead into the next question when you were talking about the niece so do you do you find that in this book there's some characters that you really enjoyed working with and that you really enjoyed creating that you're going to expand on their stories maybe in in a, a future book and maybe expand their worlds to delve into a different side of things absolutely um i have a couple things in mind um uh one of the books that i'm going to work on um i actually uh uh this summer did a little um research i went to uh stayed overnight uh at the lizzie borden house oh I, wow. I don't know if you Awesome. The, the, the axe murderer. Um, and it's unknown, unsolved whether she really did it, but she did it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so I stayed overnight at her house and I wanted to um, uh, write a loose alliter alliteration of that story because there's so many great characters in, in that uh, in that in that story. Yeah. Um, where I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to tell it like the way it, way it happened. I'm going to take my creative control and um, just use it as a loose background. Um, but since it is a mystery, I'm going to bring these characters back in, um, even though they're not going to be in the main focus, be brought back in. Um, it's actually going to happen before the story, this uh, particular story took place. So I'll, I'll bring them back as well. And um, there's so many spin-offs and uh, so many ideas of characters I like that maybe have gone away in this book, but I could bring back uh, as a... Um, 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 you know, going back in time and back in history and trying to bring him back, back to life. And that's always a good thing because, you know, if you want, if you ever want to take a break from the main story, you've got these amazing characters that you can go, you know, let's go and give the a backstory and let's take a, let's take a, you know, sort of a jump back in time, like you said, um, and, and explore that world for a little while. And then you can you come back to your main series as well. Or as you said, with, you know, your take on the Lizzie Borden, Thing. You can take your characters and put them in that situation to show how they would react right. to something that actually exists in this world. Right, and and my one of my uh, um, 
little, little things that I'm trying to do with each book. Um, even though some books might be completely different, completely be in different worlds, I want to try to connect them in some loose way. So, for example, right now, my, my current work in progress, I'm writing um, uh, three serials of novellas, um, and it's called Cerebus. And loosely, it's like a Greek mythology uh, mixed with spaghetti western. So it's a completely different world than, than this horror book, um, completely different characters. Um, but the prologue to this book is written by one of the characters in the last book. Mm. So the way I told Prisoner of Fear, the way it's written, um, it's written in the epistolary style, which is a series of letters, diary entries, mm -hmm. and things like that. So the first prologue of this current work in progress, even though the rest of the book's not told that way, is a diary entry of one of the characters in the book. There you go. That's awesome. And it kind of leads in, it, it's kind of like a bridge. I love it when things like that happen. You know, uh, like when you can sort of tie it, it's not necessarily the same story, but there's little things like that that you can realize that these stories take place in the same universe. And that kind of thing, they don't have to saturate each other, but just a little bit, it's kind of a little bit of a nod to to your, you know, your lawyer readers that have read the books that have come before to go, oh yeah, you know, hold on, this is in this. I love things like that. Like they're my favorite series of books. It also, at least for me, um, tries to not alienate um, if I want to go and alienate my readers if I want to go in a different direction. So right now, this The Prisoner of Fear is pretty much straight up horror mystery type book. Um, the next book, as I explained, or the next series of novellas, it's not. It's not a horror book. It's more, you know, definitely weirder. Um, but it kind of ties that back in. And so I'll remind the re reader, I'm, you know, I'm still the same author even though I'm going in a different direction and the characters are, are relatable and related. Well, the big question, when's it out? Because I want it now. Uh, the Prisoner of Fear, it's coming out a week from tomorrow. So October 1st. It, this actually may be, this may be out on release day. A week from tomorrow. Oh, oh wow. That would be amazing. Oh, very, very close. First or second of August, depending on what day it is over there, chat. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah, it's coming up real. It's yeah. I mean, it's been in production. I, I finished it in, I want to say 2019, 2020, and I uh, signed with the publisher late 2020. So since I've been working with the publisher, it's been about almost the full year um, in pre-production. So it's uh, been a long time coming, and it's I'm excited. So so when when it comes out, someone someone picks it up and reads it like. What what's the feeling that you want to leave them with? What like what what do you want to get through to them with this book? Um, as far as feeling, uh, I don't want to give the person nightmares. I want I don't want them to fall asleep. So I want them to think about it so much that they can't fall asleep. So um, but other than that, I just want them. Uh, it's not you know it, it is horror, but it's more cerebral horror. So it's not a like a slasher. There's not a lot of gore in it. Um, there's not like the jump scares or, or things like that. But it's more cerebral, so it's not um, uh, more. I want you then to think about the idea yeah. rather than the image. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, can you pre-order it? Can you like, or is it just going to drop on release date, and that's when you can get it? I think the publishers plan to have like a couple of days where you can pre-order it. 
Awesome. Um, it's not on Amazon yet. I checked today. It's not there yet. Uh, but probably in the next couple of days, it should be able. Yeah, because I checked while we were talking on Amazon because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I want this now. Um, but yeah, it's not up yet, but I'll be checking every day. And so, and what we'll do as well, we will let our listeners know once the pre-order goes up as well. So we'll send out a, a short a post or something. Instagram, mm-hmm. I'm sure Jamie will be able to oh. do that. And, what um, did drop today um, on my publisher's website, um, it's a little premature maybe, but it's cool. It's a definitely ego boost. Uh, she made merch of, of, uh, of the cover, so you get like t-shirts and, and blankets and stuff of like that with, with the cover of the book on it on the, on the uh, publisher's and website. And that's the cover with the screamy face, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it freaked me out a little bit. I'm just going to say that, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's well, like, so where'd you get that design from? Like, it's interesting. It's it's actually the second cover. Um, yep. So the last time I, I was on this uh, podcast, I was talking about my uh, collection of short stories. Yep. It's a book called The Void. Yep. And um, that cover is an interesting, a good learning experience. Um, it wasn't really, uh, you know, we didn't promote it that much. Um, we didn't. Uh, it was pretty much to dip our toes in the water and they get this experience before releasing this one because this is the uh, for me yeah. the important one. Yeah. Um, she made, uh, or the publisher made that cover using a program called Canva, all right, yeah. which is you, you purchase the program and then you have all these images available and you kind of piece them together yourself. Yeah. So that book was doing okay. I mean, it's a collection of short stories. It was doing all right. And then like all of a sudden it jumped up. It like didn't skyrocket, but it, it you know, in its category, um, um, horror short stories, it made top hundred in, in Amazon, which was like huge for me. And I was at 98, and at 97 was Stephen King. So I screenshotted that, and I could die happy forever because that was yeah. freaking amazing. Wow! But that day, that that same day, Amazon. I got a call from the publisher. Amazon took it down because someone claimed that we sold the cover. So Canva, even though you own the Canva owns the right to the image, but other people who subscribe to Canva can use it. So I guess like you know, someone used that image, same yeah. image, thought we stole it, and it was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, so this one, um, we created it with uh, an AI program. So it's completely unique. No one else can use it. It's one yeah. of, of its own. And uh, I think it turned out great. Yeah, it, look, it's, it's a great cover. It um, definitely stood out. Um, well, any last things you want to say? Anything you want to plug? Does, does your backseat passenger want to give a shout out? <laughs> this is my, uh, my listener. She's my biggest Hello. critic. Um, <laughs> Uh, you're my biggest fan too. Uh, that's my, my daughter Helena. Uh, we're at, my other daughter had a school dance. That's why I'm in the scar. Um, but that's the, the life of a full-time dad, full-time pharmacist, and a full-time writer. So uh, I go where I'm needed. <laughs> um, but uh, the plugs just go to chadmiller.author.com. Um, that has all my uh, publications. Or also go to hearourvoicellc.com. Um, that has all the p- publications from my publisher. And also the merch I was talking about. Yeah. Um, but it should be available on Amazon. Um, the Void is still out there with a new cover. Um, we had to design a new cover for that. Um, that's up then there if you want to check it out. Um, I, we're trying to make it free on Kindle for everyone um, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, if you want a free read, uh, to get a taste of my work, um, look out for that too. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Chad. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. We'll plug everything um, as soon as the book comes out as well. We'll post a link on our Instagram, Facebook, everything we have. And, yeah, make sure you sell lots and lots and lots of copies if we can.
All right, then we'll have that meeting in Fiji with all the Chads. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the multiverse of Miller or the conventions of Chad, either way. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you guys are on the board of directors, so you're welcome to. <laughs> cool, awesome. Thanks, thanks again. You enjoy your evening and thanks for coming back on. All right, thank you.